This podcast is brought to you by Slow Tide. Slow Tide, our company, they took a mundane but essential uh, everyday product, uh, a towel, um, so something that we use every day, and they've turned it into uh, something cool, something you like looking at, a piece of art. So Slow Tide work with artists, brands, and photographers to bring amazing designs onto their products. Uh, not only towels, they also have now applied this same logic to blankets, um, perfect for the winter. Those of you that have listened to the podcast and know me will know I love sitting and watching a film or TV. I ask every guest to recommend me some something good to watch. Um, and especially in the UK at the moment, it's pretty cold. Most of that watching is done under a blanket. Uh, most importantly, though, uh, Slow Tide are committed to sustainability. Um, all of their cotton products are responsibly sourced through the Cotton Leads program, and their polyester products are made from 100% recycled post-consumer waste, usually plastic bottles. So you know that by buying one of these products, you're also not affecting the environment. Uh, check them out at, at Slow Tide Europe on Instagram for more information. I'll be posting a fair bit about them on my Instagram as well, at the After Hours Lounge. Um, huge thank you to Slow Tide for supporting the podcast, um, and thank you to you guys for getting through this advert. And now, on with the show. Friends, hello. Welcome to 2021. We thought it would all be different, but actually, it's very much the same. Uh, and I think we've all kind of realised that. But I'm very, very happy to be back in the pod booth, in the chair, uh, recording podcasts again. Weirdly enough, I actually really missed it over the couple of weeks uh, off over Christmas, um, despite it kind of being a lot of work. But as I said, it really gave me a purpose and I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to be doing it again. Uh, so my first guest for 2021, I've been following this guy uh, on Instagram for a while. Um, he is a mental health advocate. Um, yeah, being very, very honest. And I just had to get him on for um, a few of the issues that we're going to talk about uh, because, yeah, he's been really honest. And frankly, I've not really spoken about sort of this this angle uh, of mental health before. Uh, so, yeah, put our hands together. Thank you very much, Connor Spratt, for uh, for coming on. Hello. Thank you for having me. That was a great introduction about uh, <laughs> 2021 not being much different. But, yeah, it's uh, well, no, yeah. to be here. It's been a funny, it's been a funny week, hasn't it? Because you, you kind of get this thing at the end of every year where you're like, I'm, it's going to be different. And, you know, everyone seems to think as soon as it hits midnight, everything changes. But um, I think if anything, yeah, this year has taught us that even more than uh, than before, because we're literally finding ourselves kind of back to square one, aren't we? Yeah, kind of. I'm like, yeah, it, it feels not like square one, but I'm just trying to keep in mind the idea that there is, a vaccine coming out and there's another vaccine coming out and hopefully that means it's getting rolled out quite well um i, I don't know yeah i i don't feel like it's the same as the march lockdown which is nice but it's not too far off it neither <laughs> no yeah but i i completely, I completely agree so. yeah i completely agree i'm 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 oddly oddly positive at the moment um which is which is strange yeah because the the march one was was particularly different i suppose but yeah there is there is a light at the end of the tunnel this time um, so kind of yeah, sort of starting off, Cor, I mean, um, tell, you know, as I said, we've, we've kind of just met and been speaking for five minutes before I hit record, but kind of tell, tell myself, tell the listeners a, a bit more about yourself, what you do, um, and why you, why you kind of decided to go on this, this sort of journey on your, on your social media account. Yeah. Okay. So my name, again, my name's Connor, I'm a 22 year old dude, currently living up in Edinburgh, I've been here for four and a half years um, and I moved up here to start uni um, yeah again four years ago 
Um, recently graduated back in May, now working as a support worker for a mental health charity. Um, it's really enjoying, um, finding a lot of um, fulfillment out of that, learning a lot out of it. Um, but I decided with enough, pretty much not too long before lockdown, to start this um, the mental health awareness account or recovery account that I now run um, at Recovery Connor. And it was mainly from a place of me trying to want to educate more about the experiences of males with eating disorders. Um, and that sense from my own experience with eating disorder. And at the time I was really, really suffering, realizing that there wasn't many people like me who were out there in the public sphere trying to share their experiences. Um, so do you want me to sort of go into that experience? Like what it, what, you know, how it started and what happened? And, yeah, you know, for sure. We might as well, we might, we might as well get into it. As, as I said, guys, you know, the big reason I wanted to bring Connor on was because, you know, eating disorders and things like that, that's, that's kind of a part of mental health that I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's never personally affected me. Um, so it's, it's not really something I know much about. I mean, I've always been, been aware of it. And then, you know, I've heard rumblings over the years, but it, it's always been a female thing as well. So that's why I'm super interested to talk to you. So let's, let's strike while the iron is hot, mate. Yeah. Let's, let's get into it. I was going to say, yeah, let's jump straight into the deep end. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So I guess for, to start off with what an eating disorder is, I guess a lot of people, the, the definitions will change and how it sort of manifests in certain people will change, but it's mainly sort of, I guess you could define it around a fixation on food, um, exercise, body image in some ways um, that negatively distresses you, or <clears throat> negatively distresses you, really overly distresses you. And um, yeah, it can have really bad consequences, both mentally, physically. And um, I find myself suffering from an eating disorder without realizing for quite a long time because of the issue we talked about that um, it only seemed like a, a female only issue sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so I guess we could start back to like how how I came to start suffering where um, basically I came to uni um, and right before I right before I went to uni I basically lost a lot of weight um, quote unquote I would say healthily you know and I know healthy is quite it, it can be quite a problematic word when you talk about weight but at the time I considered healthy um, and when I lost that weight I was quite a big kid going all the way through school. I had a lot of compliments around, oh, Connie, you're looking really good. You're looking really, quote, unquote, again, healthy. You're looking, you know, this and that. And I didn't realize so much at the time because I wasn't concerned with my body image. I was just more concerned with the idea that I felt like my weight was limiting me, which I now, again, realized was a problematic stance to have. But I felt my weight was limiting me. So I then lost it. And that's that was the original intention to sort of open up opportunities for me, both physically and mentally, again, I guess. And um you know, I, <laughs> I broke up with a long-term girlfriend at the time, you know, all this good stuff. So I was like, all, all of it booked together. I was like, I'm just going to leave it myself, lose this weight. And um, yeah, got a lot of positive feedback from it. Um, went to uni and obviously I went to uni and lost all this weight to now what a lot of people consider a normal weight. And I, sorry, I realize I keep sniffling. I've gone awful cold at the moment. Um, I, uh, yeah, so I, I lost all this weight, got to uni, and obviously I then turn up at uni and meet all these strangers, meet, I moved completely, you know, three hours away from home, so I don't know anybody there, and to everybody else, I'm just a normal guy sort of thing, there's yeah. no sort of, you can't see the transformation, you can't see the story, whatever, so there's nothing, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily comment on my weight at that point, because it's not anything out of the ordinary at all, um, and at that point, I realised, I was like, oh my god, like, I actually, like, missed that validation, I missed those compliments, and all the different stuff and um maybe for the first year of uni i started trying to go to the gym to try and like you know bulk up or get you know 
I guess, hench, you know, all different stuff. And I didn't really know what I was doing at all. I was like following a program and each week when I didn't see any progress after doing two sessions, I didn't see anything at all. I was like, right, I need to throw out this program, do a different program. And I was getting like really anxious and stressed about it. I'd never really exercised before properly other than like PE in school, which I hated, I hated PE. And um, <laughs> so started doing that for a year. And then I remember as my, towards the end of my first year, probably beginning of the second year, I started doing boxing at the uni. Nice. And started doing it and loved it. Um, carried on going like three times a week regularly. And I mainly only turned up at that point for the social side of it because, you know, it's a whole other different story. But I had a group of mates who turned out not to be great mates and I eventually sort of left and whatever. And um, boxing was a sort of good way for me to meet new people, yeah. be a part of this sort of new community, especially now moving into a new city and, you know, all different stuff. And um I was going regularly for about six months, enjoying myself, having a good time, sort of eating, I guess you could say, like, quote unquote, consciously, like being semi-aware of what I'm eating, but not really being too fussed sort of thing, you know, whatever. And um, about six months in, my coach comes up to me and he goes to me, oh, do you want to have a fight? Um, like, you know, going to a competition. And I was thinking like, oh my God, like this is like the best end to this story of like transforming myself and reinventing myself. Yeah. So I just like, and I, I remember as well, like, the, the club itself didn't have anyone compete for them for like three years or something. So I was like, God, like not only will it be like reinvent myself, it'd be such like a cool changeless club to have somebody like competing again. So I just like threw myself into it. Like I'm not, never had a fight before. I'm not a bad guy at all. I just like went for the exercise. I was like, I'm just going to do this. Like, it's going to be such a sick story. Um, so I had maybe from when I agreed to it, I had about two months to mm, two, two, yeah, two and a half months. And so I actually had the, um, the fight coming up. And because of that and the weight bracket I then had to go into, I had to completely overhaul like my training, how I was eating, you know, all different stuff. Yeah. And it got like, it got like, it turned into like more of like a militaristic like regiment of like, you know, running or going to a gym each morning, um, you know, really burning myself out, like really doing it hard, going to boxing every day, really again, pushing myself, going really hard. And then at the same point, doing a lot well everything i was eating was calorie counted yeah weighing myself multiple times a day i'm writing it down every morning so i knew i could track my weight all the time i had like a calendar where i was like so pardon me i had a calendar where i was like watching like how my weight was going down and i was like you know got a bit of a buzz every time i went down i'm like oh i'm working towards this goal like really great um but i've gained so and so low and getting so and so focused on this weight and how to eat that i've become more more and more obsessed with food and because I had a lot of strict rules around food. Every time I ate, it was like, I don't know how to describe it. It was like a rush in a sense, I guess, every time I ate, because it was like sort of a buildup. I knew like when I was going to eat, how I was going to eat it, like what I was eating, you know, whatever. So then when I finally did, it was like a release. But then obviously I then knew I had to restrict for another, you know, however long until the next meal. Yeah. And very, very sort of rigid on that plan that I was doing. And it got to a point where like, before this fight anyway, I was like, once you go to uni during the time I had to do my lectures and whatever, I was just completely losing track and like losing interest of like actually doing my work and doing whatever. I, I, overall, I was quite productive, but I had no interest. I was only doing it for the sake of I had to do it to then carry on with the training, whatever. Yeah. Um, but at times, I remember I was finding myself like scrolling through bloody Uber Eats, just, <laughs> just <laughs> looking at all the menus, being like, fuck, I could really do this. I could really do that. But I know I need to wait until after the fight. Yeah. So, fight rolls around. Um, Ab scrap, 
It's a good fight. Didn't win, sadly. It was a good fight, though, still. So, you know, I was happy with it. Yeah. Um, but then 20 minutes afterwards, I, I didn't realize what it was at the time. But I had what I'd call my first binging episode. So a binging episode is basically where you, in the context of food anyway, you eat as much as possible in a, a short amount of time, in a sort of rushed amount of time. Mm. And to the point where you're not hungry, you're not feeling like you need the food, you're just you're just obsessively, mindlessly, in a sense, just going through this food as much as you can, to the point where it can hurt a lot of time. Yeah. I had that straight after the match, and everybody was sort of like, oh, like, it's funny, like, it's just the dude who's, like, being restricted for so long, and now he's, like, indulging, like, whatever. And yeah. that's, what I thought, that's what I thought of it myself. But then I ate, you know, oh, sorry, I missed that key part of this, actually. When I was losing all this weight to run up to the um, to run up to the competition, I um, had all these compliments come back. I talked about earlier on of like, oh, like Connie, you're looking lean, you're looking athletic, you're looking fit, like all this different stuff. And in, in the back of my mind, without realizing, I'd sort of internalized the thought that I need to lose weight in order to get attention and to get yeah. validation and get overall just respect to who I am. And obviously, I had this binge, and then I went back home, and I was, you know, just ravenous sort of thing, like eating all the different shit that I could find. And then the next morning, I just had this feeling of, oh, like, fuck, like, I know the fight is over, but I, like, I can't gain weight because if I gain weight, I'm not going to get this attention anymore. I'm not going to get this, you know, respect or whatever. So I need to now, now I've ate all this food, I need to burn it off somehow. So then I start skipping meals, I'd start going on longer runs, start going to the gym for longer, you know, whatever. But then that cycle carried on because when you're in a state where you're restricting so much as I was doing, I was getting to a weight that my body wasn't meant to be at. It it starts becoming it starts becoming a an active choice trying to like stop these binges or whatever. But I got to a point where I was restricting so much that I was just binging every night uncontrollably because my body just needed it. And yeah. I put my body into such a state that I didn't know when it was going to get food the next time. But anytime I didn't I did get the chance to get food, it was just going down so quickly, so fast and just uncontrollably. Um, but then at the same time, again, I had this idea that I needed to keep the weight down in order to have respect and have care and whatever. So I was then caught in this cycle of binging every night and then restricting every morning afterwards and the rest of the day afterwards and ultimately trying to purge it through exercise and through, well, yeah, I guess just exercise really. Yeah. yeah just really, really like burning myself, burning myself out on runs in the gym, whatever. Just kept on going on, kept on going on, kept on going on. And then I eventually stopped. Like I was really just disinterested in everything. Like I didn't have any, I didn't want anything to do with relationships, wasn't trying to date anyone, wasn't really bothered with anything to do with uni at all. Um, was doing worse in my coursework, but wasn't really asked. Um, started getting snappy with my parents, and then stopped hanging out with friends so much because I was worried about when I was going out, people would think I was fat, even though I was at like the lowest weight I've ever been at and yeah. was getting lower you know, all this different stuff. And then it was going on and going on. And I had a, um, I was training for my second match, right? Because the part, the like partway through this whole like saga going on, I actually got elected to be the captain of my boxing club for the, you know, the university boxing club. And because I got elected to be the captain, I just saw, I guess, reinforced the idea that, like, oh, what I'm actually doing is really healthy. Like, I'm actually a strong person, you know, yeah, cool, yeah. you know, whatever. I like, don't need to worry about anything that's going on or else I wouldn't get to where I am. And I just, I remember I was training for the second match and I picked up some injury. I don't know how I did it, but I basically I ripped 
an intercostal muscle and it, it was it was awful i remember i couldn't really turn properly i couldn't breathe in without any pain i couldn't cough without any pain whatever but i still didn't pull out of the match that should have pulled me out straight away sort of thing because i can't i can't breathe like it's just not happening yeah but i still, I still, like, it still carried on and i was still of the mindset that i need to go out and burn these calories every day because yeah. if i don't then i'm gonna get fat and whatever and i remember i got up again after a binge the night before so i remember woke, woke up feeling like physically in pain for my eight the night before i wouldn't even be the night before i would have been a few hours before at this point i woke up at four in the morning it must have been october time um october time up here in edinburgh which is freezing four in the morning get up start running and about five minutes into this run where i'm usually running for like at least an hour i just started breaking down crying because i remember i felt all this pain in my side I felt all this pain in my stomach and I couldn't run anymore. I couldn't move, whatever. Yeah. And I remember I sat down on this bench and I just, like I said, I just started breaking down, crying because I'm like, I'm rushing I'm through my head of like, oh, like I need to get up. I need to go run. But like at the same time, I know I've not always been this way. But then like it doesn't, like my priorities are so sort of messed up at this point that I, even though I know this wasn't how it always has been, and I know this, this isn't what I really want to do, I still had to do it. Like, I still had to lose this weight. I still had to do all this, you know, different shit that I'd got into my head. Um, and I was just so confused. I didn't really know what to do. Um, so when I got up, I remember even at the time I was on this bench, I was looking around at like four in the morning because I just, I was worried that someone would see me sort of thing, but like, no one's going to see me. No one's up at that time sort of thing. <laughs> no one's up to all that because I was worried about people like seeing me in that sort of, I guess, vulnerable position being weak, whatever. Um, there was, you know, those times beforehand where I knew there was an inkling that something was wrong, but I just like shoved it down because, you know, even though I felt, you know, shy, I just didn't want to tell people because I'm in this position, like one as a dude and one as a capsule, or two as a, the caps at a boxing club. I was like, I'm not telling anyone about this. I can't be weak and whatever. Yeah. And um, I remember I told the then the president of the boxing club and I just said, you're going to have to pull me out of this match. Like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm just going through some sort of shite with with my head and food and my body and exercise and whatever and I just don't don't know what's happening and he told me to go to a doctor um and it put me on to some it was an eating sort of charity called beat really really good charity and um I remember talking to him at the time and I was just thinking like oh like I don't really have an eating disorder because I don't you know I don't I didn't know much about mental health at all particularly not eating disorders but I knew like any depiction I've seen an eating, as a, of an eating disorder is usually like, you know, quite sadly, some girl who's looked at a magazine too much and now she wants to lose all this weight. Like that's how I viewed it sort of thing. And that wasn't me. You know what I mean? It wasn't me at all. And because of that, I was very hesitant to go to the doctors at first. Um, girls like, she's not going to believe me. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to happen. Like this just doesn't happen to people. Like, because, you know, there's a culture in boxing as well that you do have to be the lowest weight possible. Like, it's, you know, it's a sad culture, but I guess it's what happens. And I just thought, I just can't handle it sort of thing. I'm not going to eat it sort of, I just can't hack it sort of thing. Um, but then I went to a doctor, um, told him everything was going on and gave me a questionnaire, um, which basically was like a questionnaire of like, I can't remember the exact questions, because I was very much like, had the adrenaline of even telling him about this. And it was stuff like, oh, how often do you think of food? I'll say that was a five. Um, how often you restrict some food? That was a five. And I'm like, every question was a five. And he looks at there and he goes, Oh yeah, you may be suffering with some zombie disorder. I'm like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, didn't really, I didn't really need that to, yeah, I didn't really need that to justify it, but fair enough. And um he he weighs me out after that. Um sees that I'm underweight and he's like, Yeah, we're gonna refer you. 
they referred me to a clinic and then after that I then uh, started the I guess journey to becoming better but on that journey even after I went to a doctor and he said I might have an eating disorder I started looking up everything to do with eating disorders and experiences of it I was still very confused with what it was yeah and like I said at the beginning like, I couldn't find any men at all who were talking about this sort of stuff so in my head I was like either one I wasn't a real man which is like I shouldn't have to feel like you know ascribed to these sort of standards of what it is to be a man or whatever but I just one didn't feel like a man which is very shy to say or two I wasn't suffering from an eating disorder which would then mean I'm not going to get a treatment for it and then just sets me back into a vicious circle of rubbish and um yeah so I realized I went on quite a bit there but yeah <laughs> no 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 it's mate it's good it's good it's good to kind of get you know get the get the timeline and get the story but like I mean we'll we'll kind of we'll, we'll dip in and out a bit but it's it's really interesting that you kind of found boxing because if anything that's one of those kind of sports that's like as you said the most controlled in terms of you know eating and things you there's all these horror stories in in kind of you know, not just boxing, but martial arts in general of guys who go and like do press ups in a sauna before a weigh in. And, yeah. you know, they, they put it to really dangerous levels to kind of make, make weight. Cause they have all these weight classes, don't they? Yeah. Um, it's not a, not a world I'm very familiar with. I started Brazilian Jiu Jitsu just before lockdown. So obviously that was the first sport they canceled. Cause it's pretty, <laughs> you know, it's the most anti COVID sport there, but yeah. I was going to say that. literally having a man's face pressed against yours, like sweating. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. so but other than that I've not but I, I am aware you know there there is a lot of that so it's it's interesting that 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 came to you um was there was there a particular reason that you you chose boxing or was it was it because you were like it's a lot of fitness and you were like that was what you were looking for so I, I growing up I was very much the kid like I said I was a very very big kid right and I was I like I didn't realize so much at the time but I think I was quite bullied as a kid in regards to my weight and um it then turned out, which I didn't know all the way up until college, that I was a dyslexic and a dyspraxic. So I was very, quote unquote, slow in class. And none of the, none of the teachers knew what was going on. Yeah. But it was a constant thing of like, you know, I'm falling behind or I'm slow and I can't do anything in PE. I can't do the sports like the other lads. And there was just a constant thing of like, I'm not, I'm not doing enough sort of thing. But in my own head, I was like, I know I'm, you know, smart on my own way. I know I've, I've got the capability of doing different stuff. Yeah. And, you know, eventually then I went to college and I went to uni and I did, you know, without trying to, you know, blow me in trumpet, but I felt like I did well in uni. But that was only when I was getting the support sort of thing, which I didn't have in, you know, high school and stuff. But but because of that, there was constantly a level, there's constantly a part of me that I felt like I needed to prove something. Yeah. So I needed to prove that I could do things and eventually prove when I lost the weight that I could get into sports. And because I was a big kid who couldn't do anything at all, I remember over five years of PE, I only scored one goal in football, which was pretty much an open net anyway. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to throw myself into the hardest spot I can. And yeah. that proves people it's like that I can actually do this sort of thing. Um, yeah. yeah. That's, that's interesting. Like, Because I, I, I mean... In, in an odd way, I come from a, a sort of similar background. I was I was a pretty pretty fat kid. I think when I was 17, 18, I was about 110 kilos. Like I was mm. I, I was a big guy, and you know, not to compare, but I mean, I had the same thing with sports and stuff at school as well. I never played football. I think in the last year of school, because in Scotland you you don't go to like college for sixth form, you do it at school. So mm. I um 
I, I was there and it was when all the all the dickheads had left by then, if you know what I mean. So, the, nice. you know, the, the popular kids suddenly became pretty cool and they asked me to play rugby and all this. But I was so far along at that point, that I was like, no, I don't want to fucking play rugby with you guys. Like, I don't want to do that. So, <laughs> you know, so it was weird. But then when I when I turned 18, like, you know, list, list, regular listeners will know when I turned 18, I, I went to Australia and learned to windsurf and was a windsurfing instructor for the last best part of the last 10 years around the world. And I think there's something to be said for finding a sport that's not a team sport, oh. like a, a sport that's a solo sport that you're relying only on yourself, if you know what I mean. Sure, boxing, you've got people you're doing it, but ultimately it's kind of just on you. And I think a lot of people that maybe struggled with yeah. those kind of team sports when they were younger do get attracted to sports like, you know, even even things like tennis or or golf mm -hmm. or, you know, boxing, martial arts or, you know, water sports, things like that. Yeah. But sports that you take on yourself because there is that kind of, you know, almost hesitance to take part because you're like, is someone, you know, is someone going to pull my pants down while I'm on the pitch, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. massively, which also did happen to me in school as well. <laughs> think about it. Me too, <laughs> have to, It's awful, it's fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, yeah, like, yeah, that was definitely part of it as well of like, oh, it's like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not having, I don't want to rely on these other people anymore. Like, I'm just going to do my own thing and then it's all on me. And I guess as well, like, and then, you know, I guess probably as probably a lot of young guys did got into like a lot of like motivational like YouTube stuff and whatever and it's the whole idea that you need to put yourself in uncomfortable situations in order to grow and I still I still do believe that like and you know I still believe that you can't you can't develop and grow as a person without some level of stress and discomfort and whatever for, and sure. for me yeah for me boxing was like a way of doing that in a good controlled setting and something I'd never done before I'd never been involved in fights never been like you know whatever yeah. I was an aggressive guy still not an aggressive guy and um, yeah, that was a good way of putting myself in a situation of like, oh, I'm just going to put myself in this room of people who also want to punch me in the head. I'm like, that will probably help me grow in some way. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, I mean, I've, you know, I, I've said it loads before on the podcast. I did about just maybe just over eight weeks of jujitsu before I started pretty much this time last year. And then obviously I had to finish kind of end of March when the gym yeah. closed. But in, in those eight weeks, I was like shocked because I've, you know, you first walked in and I was pretty intimidated and you're like, mm -hmm. you know, basically me and these guys are just going to simulate murder on each other, you know, but, <laughs> but actually like everyone, everyone there was so welcoming and so friendly. And there was such a, there was such a devotion to actually just the art, the art of jujitsu. I'm sure yeah. it's probably the same in boxing, but I think from what I gather, yeah. it's the same in all martial arts, but it, it was such an awesome community. I was, I was really, really enjoying it. And, you yeah. know, there's no, it doesn't matter who you are, where, you, where you're from, what you do. Everyone's like, we're all here for one reason. I think I remember the instructor I actually did a podcast with the guy who runs the gym I was going to, uh, Jack, yeah. who's a, you know, black belt, amazing, um, amazing jujitsu, uh, you know, trainer, coach. Um, and, you know, he, he said, I can't remember, I'm going to butcher what he said, but he was like, you know, people just leave, they leave everything off the mats. You know, once you get on the yeah. mats, you're, you're a different person. And I think there's a lot of like odd sort of tranquility in, in kind of doing, you know, those kind of sports. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah, completely agree. Um, and so I think, what, yeah, a lot of people would benefit from them. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, well, I mean, I, I say this a lot. I think, um, and I, I don't know if you're still doing boxing, maybe you're probably not allowed to at the moment, I guess, but, um, you know, you can't can't be going punching people in the head in case you... No, no not quite. I, I mean, I, I did, I did, well, in my last year of boxing at the club, I was actually a boxing coach. So I was coaching every week. Awesome. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it, but... 
I, I sort of realised over the past, well, since lockdown stopped, um, oh, sorry, lockdown started, I, um, what do you call it? I, I, I sort of realised, like, you know, because I, I, I started getting treatment for my, my condition maybe halfway through my, my term as captain. And I was like, when I finish this year, I'm just going to ditch this place because it's too much. It's still too much reminder. It's still too much pressure. Um, so I'm going to get out of it. And then the next year, before it ended, someone asked me, oh, do you want to coach next year? And I'm a sort of person who I can't, I can't turn down from a challenge. If someone tells me to do something and it's, it feels like a challenge, I'll do it, which is a very bad, it's a very bad mindset to have, but I do just do it like because I, I don't know. I guess I just have too much pride or whatever. Um, getting better with that, but definitely just too much pride. And yeah. I just sort of, I, I boiled it down again of like, oh, I can still do it, I'll be fine. But now I've taken a step away from boxing, I'm like, I, I can't really go back anymore, I don't think. It's just too much, like, thinking about weight and stuff. And, yeah, so I'm not I'm not a coach anymore, sadly. It may be, again, but not, not for now. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it may be one of those things that you can kind of go back to, you know, in yeah. the in in the future, you know, it's 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 um it's not going anywhere. So did you, no. when you, when you went to see the doctors and stuff, did they diagnose you with a, with a kind of specific eating disorder then? We well, didn't diagnose me there and then. Um, but then I I basically got put on a waiting list for, um, what do you call it, for specialist treatment at this place called the Cullen Centre up here in Edinburgh. Right. Um, they put me on the waiting list. I got a letter. And it was going to be a three-month wait. And I was like, fuck. I was like, I cannot. I don't know what I'm going to do for the for three months because at that point I, I don't I don't really go into detail so much about this because I, I don't really I don't think it's necessary really but I you know in, I guess sort of vaguely I got into more sort of dangerous habits around purging about how I got rid of like calories um which I, like, I, like I said I don't want to go into because the details aren't great but um I think the, we all know what you mean mate yeah well I know yeah yeah probably it. probably yeah it's yeah um and what do you call it? Um, luckily, I found a private therapist, um, and I just—I wasn't going to tell parents about this sort of stuff at first, cause like you know, I'm just going to go to treatment and I'm going to sort it out myself. No one needs to know, and I'll just get over it, sort of thing. Um, but then I saw the waiting list, and I was like, I don't, I, I can't, I can't wait this long. Yeah. Um, and thankfully I put I told my parents and they said it helped me find private therapy and ultimately helped me pay for it sort of thing which I, it's a very very privileged position to be in but it's just what it's just what happened sort of thing um yeah but then I still I still went to the calling center to talk to the therapist there afterwards and that's when he sort of gave me a letter saying like our oh, symptom presentation is bulimia sort of thing right um so Yes, which I was confused at first because I was like, "Oh, well, I'm only I'm only binge eating," so I'd thought I'd have something called binge eating disorder, where you have a fixation around eating as much food as possible, but then there's no purging. So purging means you know usually throwing up or taking laxatives or something like that. But purging can also mean exercise and over exercise, yeah. um, which I didn't realize at first. I was very very confused with. I didn't know that either, actually. Yeah, no. Well, I think a lot. I don't think a lot of people do. So basically. I don't know if you've seen it. There was a documentary that came out. Maybe, oh, I don't know. I've lost track of time now in this lockdown. But <laughs> some over at least over a month ago, but less than six months ago, there was a um, a documentary that came out with um, Freddie Flintoff. Uh, oh, I've not Flintoff. seen it. No, I, I really want to watch yeah. it actually because I really like Freddie Flintoff. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Great, great documentary. Uh, well, yeah, it, yeah, it's a good documentary. Um, it basically explore Freddie's eating disorder, also in bulimia, mm. and 
does a scene where he basically in the doctors with a with with one of the one of the like lead I guess clinical psychologists there and another guy who's suffering from eating disorder a similar one as well and um, they're talking about oh how exercise can be a form of purging and Freddie was like blown away by that he's like oh my god like I didn't understand that's like that's how you can purge as well because he was training I think he still is probably training like 14 times a week or something 15 16 times a week yeah and he was like oh I didn't think that was purging I just thought that was me training and um, yeah shocked by it I would I would recommend watching that documentary as well but it's a bit I guess it's just TV, so they kind of have to do it to an extent. But I don't like the attitude. We're basically it's got to be a bit more formal, I suppose, hasn't it? A bit more like staged, for lack of a better word. Yeah, yeah, and like obviously he's he's very clearly suffering. But then, toward at the end of the documentary, they they kind of helped him get through treatment a little bit. But then it basically ended, and he was saying it throughout the show. But it basically ended on the note that Freddie didn't know if he was ever going to actually go through with help. And actually, like, gets you know, get himself right, but it just and then it ended on him, like, like you know, killing it on an exercise bike sort of thing, like, really blasting it. And I was like, I don't, I don't like that, like, that yeah. image sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Basically, it's like, yeah, ends with him purging still, <laughs> yeah, it just, yeah, it's like, and ends with him purging on the cliffhanger where he's going to carry on purging. I'm like, I don't need a cliffhanger for this, I don't think anyone does, but yeah, it's, it's interesting, it must be interesting for him as well. Because, well, I mean, I, I had no idea about this as well. So it's, it's super interesting because obviously for years he was like a pro athlete. So I assumed his life yeah. was basically training and then like, yeah. you know, playing cricket as well. So he he must have not thought he was doing anything wrong. He must have just been like, no, I'm just the most dedicated guy in the in the gym, you know? So it's, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he was be. making himself, yeah. Yeah, he was making himself for open that as well too. Like at the same time, like it's all really? like blasting it in training and whatever. It's just... Yeah, and I think in sports in particular, there are a lot of eating disorders and a lot of people who show eating sure. disorders, but without, without, it's not, it's either part of the culture, it's ingrained, but like, you know, I think about it a lot of like, um, with the competitions we did as amateurs, where like, you go to weigh-ins and you had a big like sports hall and you had all the people with the sort of like scales at the front or whatever, and you have to record your weight and stuff and whatever, but there's some people who turn up on the day and they're a little bit overweight and you'd see them sometimes, you'd be in like, full layers like leather jackets beanies gloves whatever um uh, inside skipping away as fast as they can yeah. sort of thing and i just i remember looking back at that now and saying like if you took that if you took that activity and put it outside of that sports hall and outside of that you know setting of um just put you know making wait for a boxing match like people would be really concerned sort of thing but because of the different values and behaviors that we've normalized in certain areas of sport in general then it's sort of accepted and it's fine yeah. and then that's when people i think fall off the wayline and get really really damaged with it so well i mean not not yeah. even just from an eating disorder perspective but from a general health like perspective as well like all all they're doing is losing water from their body and water is fairly important last time i checked you know yeah, yeah massively. water from the brain as well and you're about yeah. to go and get hit in the head so it's exactly. like it's not good no no it's it's yeah it it, it it's definitely you know, I mean, we've just spoken about the lovely parts of kind of martial arts and the community and stuff, but there is that really weird toxic element to it um, in, yeah. in terms of, you know, the weigh-ins and stuff. And I, th I think, I mean, as I said, I know very little about it, but um, I do kind of, you know, listen to Joe Rogan. He talks a lot about it and, you know, other, other sort of, you know, podcasts or news, anything like that. And as far as I can gather, I think they are sort of trying to do something about, you know, all that kind of thing. But um, as yeah. I said, it's not an area, but yeah that that just seems completely wrong but as you said it's it's so weird that that environment like 
not just accepts it, but almost encourages it. Yeah, almost breeds it in a sense. And it's like, it doesn't just go, I think it, the problem is it doesn't just go for like stuff like weigh-ins and stuff, but I think there's a, I, I guess I, I can't really comment on all sports, but there's an element of a lesson of sort of don't show weakness. And, yeah, you know, because particularly in boxing, if you show weakness, so say you hit somebody and you, they've shown pain from that, then you know to hit them there again and ultimately probably stop them in the end. Yeah. But then I think people take that message, and I certainly did, of don't show weakness and forget that stuff like showing vulnerability, showing that you're not doing too well, all that different stuff. I equated that to weakness, and then I thought oh, I shouldn't show it, or else something yeah. or someone is going to pounce on me for it. And um, yeah, again, that's I think a lot of people do end up suffering because of it. Yeah, well, that's that's part of that's kind of part of being a being a man as well. I mean you know, especially for you when you were struggling like that. Um, what, what, what was it like, you know, taking it back a couple of steps? What, what was it like when you, um, when you kind of told your parents and stuff? I know you, you sort of mentioned, mentioned that. I mean, was that a, was that a pretty nerve wracking experience? I mean, did, did you tell any friends as well? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I like, I hate to tell my parents because like, I felt like I sort of like let them down somewhat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I, yeah, I just, I felt like one of those, I just, I feel like I got myself into like, you know, a stupid situation and just just made a mug out of myself sort of thing. And it wasn't that. I just, you know, I became ill and didn't know what was going on sort of thing. But, you know, I think that's another issue as well. People think a lot of these reasons, a lot of things that we go through are our fault, like quote unquote, like our fault. And obviously, yeah, you can say, oh, I shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have done that. But we do live in a culture where these sort of behaviours that lead to eating disorders and other mental health problems are encouraged, both, you know, with diet culture, but also with other mental health problems of working as hard as you can, overworking yourself, doing all that different stuff. But yeah, sorry, with um, with my parents, that was, that was difficult. I didn't like doing that at all because um, they said they also kind of knew something was going on, but didn't really know what. That was my next question, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they, they kind of knew, but didn't know what. And they did they did try and like say stuff to me every now and again but like i just completely palmed it off because you know it's stuff like oh you know they'd be worried about me losing weight and the amount of weight i was losing but i'd be like oh you, you know you don't know what you're talking about like you're not the one who's like fighting and it's just this it's that and it's you know not what you say it is and you know just not listening to them um and they were just trying to look out for me but i just i wasn't hearing it um yeah my friends um I, I, I slowly, slowly told them, um, and I slowly told people from a boxing club and you know stuff like that. And I, I told the people I trusted at first, um, which I was very glad to do because I, for some reason I thought a lot of people would think that I was like broken or uh, bonkers or something like that. And it's just it was a very harmful way of thinking. But eventually I started opening up. I didn't have any negative experiences, bad one or two, which even then the, the negative experiences were just a result of, you know, not understanding of like, you know, I had one person say to me, I don't look like having eaten this all done. I'm like, oh, well, that's not exactly, <laughs> it's not exactly the right thing to say. But No, that's know, a weird thing to say, isn't it? Yeah. No, not a good thing to say at all. But that, again, that's a misunderstanding. Um, somebody asked me right afterwards, after I told them, of like, oh, well, what's my weight at right now? I'm like, well, that's irrelevant because, again, it's a misunderstanding, but it's just part of the culture I was in. Um, yeah. I think yeah. that's it. Often it's it, it's not out of like malice or anything like that. Usually, I, well, I, I don't think it is anyway, but a, a lot oh. of the time, I think people are just trying to process it. And I mean, as as I said, you know, one of the big reasons I wanted to get you on was I was just really interested to talk to you because it's not a, an issue that I have any idea about, um, yeah. you know, really. And and 
I think a lot of people think think that as well, especially among men. You know, it's 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 kind of. I mean, I know this Freddie Flintoff thing. Actually, I've had people tell me about it, and but I've not watched it. But aside from that, I can't really think of anything else within sort of popular culture um, that kind of addresses these kind of eating disorders in 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 men. You know, there's plenty of ones about women, isn't there? Yeah, massively, and it's. It... I think the problem is now there's been such a focus and, you know, whenever I say there's been such a focus on women in eating disorders, I don't want to downplay that because it's, you know, I mean, the majority right now, anyway, according to research, the majority of people with eating disorders are women. So, you know, fair enough. enough. And that there's also like people still deserve help, you know, no matter what gender they are sort of thing. So I get it. Yeah. yeah. because Because of the massive focus on female presentation of eating disorders and how to fix it, there's been, a complete, I'd say, ignorance of how it manifests in men. And I think that's how a lot of men then go undiagnosed and untreated and just really left to suffer. But with, but whilst also normalize, yeah, normalizing the behaviors that sort of make it even harder to come out with it. So for instance, um, I think a massive issue that isn't really spoken about so much with men eating disorders is the idea of the what sort of gym culture plays into it of like, oh, you know, you need to get huge, you need to get bulky, you need to get this, get that, you know, and essentially just be bigger than what you are. Yeah. And then eventually that a lot of people that lead to the steroid use and the amount of steroids that are going on in the UK in particular is crazy. Just for aesthetic use sort of thing is crazy yeah. over in the UK. Um, you know, there's new conditions out there talking about called, um, what's it called? It's, there's a better name for it, but someone's nicknamed it um, bigorexia sort of thing of like men who, are just obsessive around getting like as big as possible sort of thing. Yeah. But then you then look on the front of a men's health magazine and that's, you know, that's the, I guess that's the full title men's health. So I guess the epitome of health and it's these dudes who are like huge and jacked, whatever. And yeah, a lot of men will suffer to try and get to that point, but we don't really, we don't really address that as an eating disorder. We just address that as lad culture or gym culture or whatever. I don't get it. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. And it's, it, you know, it's as as we kind of said at the beginning. It's it's sort of something that I struggle with as well through through my life, and maybe maybe more from like a like I've, well, there's a huge difference between body positivity and health. But like you know, from a health perspective, like I've always been carrying more pounds than pretty much all my friends around me, and it's always affected me mentally, and it's it still does you know every day, um, you know. But it's it, it's definitely amplified by things like social media and the way culture's gone. I do think it's turned a bit of a point. I think it peaked maybe a few years ago and it has, you know, potentially started to get better. You know, the magazines on the covers now, well, maybe this applies to, to women just as much as men, maybe maybe more so. But, um, you know, there, there is a lot more inclusivity in in that yeah. kind of in that kind of fitness field now um, yeah. you know, with men. But again, it's one of those things. And, and maybe it's because women struggle more with it, but it's something that is addressed a lot more in women's magazines or, you know, women's yeah. articles and things rather than, rather than men. Yeah. And I, I always like, I, I get worried about as well when I say stuff like that, of like women suffer more, but it, I, to an extent, I don't, I'll say, I don't know, but I think there's a lot of men who, who will go undiagnosed and won't count as part of statistics because of that. And because then it's sort of like a vicious circle of, one, we had we start from the perspective that only women suffer with these issues. So then we only focus on the women's experience of them. And then because of that, you only diagnose mainly women's conditions or women's experiences of this. 
and you get some men along the way, but because you only get some men along the way, that sort of reinforces the idea. It's like a female issue, and then future research only focuses on women, but then they also don't get male participants. So then the lack of male participants mean you don't have more male-focused interventions, or whatever. And it just keeps on going and keeps on going. Yeah. And um, yeah, not good. Yeah, that's difficult. And then, <laughs> and then, and then, kind of on top of that as well. I mean, you know, you can you know, add add your bit to this as well. But from from my point of view as well, potentially because it is viewed as a more feminine issue, that is a big reason as well why a lot of men are like, even even if they are struggling, you know, like yourself, they're like, no, I don't have that. I don't have that. I just I just like training more. I just like training more or like yeah. sometimes, sometimes I do some, you know, or sometimes I get a bit of a bad stomach and I, I throw up after I eat a load of food or, I, I mean, this is me completely talking, correct me if I'm chatting shit and stuff, but you know, it's. From, from my point of view, you know, and, and I think that's the same throughout a lot of kind of mental health and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, men being scared to be vulnerable, but this almost adds a whole other layer of like, yeah, I'm vulnerable, but also I've got a problem that's usually for girls. Mm, yeah exactly like there's this there's just a multifaceted issue or the, i guess a layered issue of like one it's hard for men to come out with mental health problems across the board whatever it is but then although awareness is getting better around mental health issues on a whole there's still not a great focus on specific ones i feel like so for instance i feel like it's great that we're talking a lot more about um depressive conditions and anxiety conditions i think that's really really good mm. i need to keep on doing that but that sort of awareness isn't really extended towards people with eating disorders, people with um, psychotic sort of disorders, people with um, personality disorders, all that different stuff because, well, I don't know. I guess there's just more of a stigma attached to it. And it doesn't... For sure. For a lot of people, yeah, I think for a lot of people, it doesn't seem like you can't relate to it as much and it seems a bit more out there, for instance. Like, so again, like, for instance, a lot of people although don't fall under the brackets of having a depressive or an anxiety condition, they can somewhat relate to it of feeling sometimes sad some days or sometimes anxious some days, but he can't really relate to somebody who's obsessed around food or is hearing voices or is having violent mood swings, whatever. Like it's, it's, it's a bit harder for them because that awareness isn't extended. And then a lot of the stigma that's attached to those conditions stay. And one of them for eating disorders is, that it only happens to women. So then you have yeah. the added layer of men can't talk about eating disorders on top of men not being able to talk about mental health conditions on the whole. Yeah. I think it's I think it's one of those things where and I think maybe, you know, COVID and what's going on with the world has kind of accelerated it um a lot. But I think, you know, the 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 fact that anxiety and depression have, have really become at the forefront of 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 an awful lot. And this may be because in the last year me starting this podcast it's it's now in my peripherals a lot more than it used to be if you know what i mean but from what i gather mainstream news everything are talking about it a lot more and do you, do you think that may be a bit of a gateway into eventually destigmatizing these like you said slightly more sort of left field shall i say you know issues like psychotic disorders um you know eating disorders things like that and that you know that are a little bit more specific if you know what i mean rather than just someone going oh yeah well i had a panic attack once so i suffer with anxiety or you know yeah 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 for sure like i think yeah i think i think just opening up that conversation anyway will eventually lead to more and more exposure to the other conditions that we don't really speak about so much and it is happening particularly like i think particularly with men and eating disorders be more and more coming out about that so like again the freddie flintoff thing was a really good one 
Um, I don't think that would have happened five, ten years ago. With the no. LA. I don't think it definitely wouldn't happen five, ten years ago. Um, both just, uh, yeah, and I guess you, you do still have eating disorder like media before that as well. But even then, definitely not from a male perspective. I know you had, um, there was that one of the rugby referee who came out, um, sort of from a bulimia, I can't remember his name now, but um, yeah, he came out of it as well. And it got some attention, but again, didn't really get that much. But I guess just this slow opening up of certain mental health conditions will slowly, slowly lead to more awareness of other mental health conditions that come alongside it. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully eventually time it, it gets better. I just, I just, I hope like right now, this whole issue of, because of focusing so much on certain conditions, we then forget and leave the other conditions highly stigmatized. I hope that eventually goes away, but. Um, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's the case. I think it's, it's one of those things, you know, where, well, I mean, it's maybe maybe naive of me to say this, but I do feel like we're slowly building to a far more tolerant society than we've ever had before. Um, and I think, I think there, unfortunately, I think there are always going to be, well, yeah, a more divided society, but also more tolerant. It's, it's so difficult, isn't it? Um, <laughs> even, even if it's not more tolerant, we're definitely talking about these things a lot more than, than we used to. Um, yeah. You know, but I, yeah, I, I just think, it's kind of one of those things where anxiety and depression to a certain extent are kind of the, the issue of the moment, if you know what I mean, yeah. especially with all the lockdowns, as I said, you know, COVID's only amplified all, all that, um, you know, so it, it's difficult because I can't necessarily think of a, a kind of event or something like that that will happen that will amplify the voices of, you know, eating disorders or, or things like that. Yeah. Then, yeah. No, I, I get no, I do get that. But then, like, even with with lockdown and the whole pandemic that's going on, like, there has been a rise in particularly men, 16, 24 year olds who are going yeah. into the hospital, you know, first first time cases with, you know, suffering with, you know, against psychotic disorders, schizophrenia, yeah. like all, all the different stuff. Like, but I, I, I can't remember, I can't remember where I read that. It was um, it was on the Guardian. It was one I think it was the the lead psychiatrist for the um. Royal College psychiatrist over here in England, but or not over here in England, but down there in England. I don't. Um, yeah, like it is increasing. It definitely is increasing those conditions. But oh, 100%. yeah, I, yeah, like I, I, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know what kind of event that would take to raise that sort of awareness. But like, I don't know. Why does it? Does it? Does it need an event in order to talk about certain stuff? Like, for instance, no. like with the whole idea or the whole incident with, with George Floyd and structural racism, like so many people after that incident came out and started talking about it, which is really great. But then did it need that one event to come out and talk about it? Like, I don't, you know, I don't think it does. And I think these sort of mental health conditions now, they don't need one event or one big story to then get people to actually wake up and see what's happening. But yeah, you know, it's here now and people are talking about it now. Yeah. And um, yeah. I think yeah. it's just, yeah, I think, I think part of it is, is simply just numbers as well. You know, ultimately at the end of the day, there's always going to be more people suffering with a more like it's a shit word to use, but a more general condition, general mental health condition, like anxiety and depression compared to something like schizophrenia or, you know, an eating disorder, of course. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, at the end of the day yeah. it is, is going to be, and I think, yeah, you're, you're right. There is, there is still a stigma attached, you know, something like anxiety and depression is a lot more, it's a lot more of a trendy condition to have, isn't it? If you know what I mean, you know that's a that's an odd term because it's, a lot it's more than acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it is difficult. So, um, you you said you're kind of you know you're now working um for a mental health charity in Edinburgh and stuff. Are you specifically doing stuff with 
with kind of people who, who are suffering with eating disorders or what, what, what kind of, what does that entail? No. So I basically, I'm, um, I'm working with people across the board who suffer with any sort of any kind of mental health condition. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically my support work role is basically just providing social support. So I'll just go down and, um, speak to the people for an hour, two hours, um, walk around, you know, um, and yeah, just try and work out plans in order to eventually work towards a full recovery. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so in that, in that role, I bump into people with, or I work with people with eating disorders, but nothing particularly focused or particularly, yeah, nothing. I'm not, I'm not like only focused on people with eating disorders. So, no. Yeah. Do you, do you find yourself, you know, when you, when you do talk to people who are struggling and things like that, do you, are you cause you're very honest on your Instagram and stuff. You, you know, there's, you're very transparent with everything. Do you, do you kind of do that when you're talking to these people as well? Or is it, is it very much like you are there to talk to them to hear yeah. them? Yeah, so like we we I, I can I can choose to talk about my experience if I want to, and I have been times where I have talked about it, um, but you just I, I think this applies to everyone sort of thing. But you, you just have to be careful when someone is telling you about what's going on that you don't hijack the conversation so much to like experience you've had. So I've only ever talked about it if I think the experience is. Um, one shows that I'm not just, you know, just saying shit for the sake of saying shit. So for instance, like you can tell a lot of people that, oh, it's going to get better or it's, you know, you'll get there in the end. But if you've actually had a similar experience to them and you've come out the other end well, it can sometimes help to just show to people like, listen, I've had the same issue and it did take a while and it did get to, you know, it took some shit to get there, but you do eventually get there and, you know, I can sort of prove that with my own experience. So that helps but if someone's talking about any other you know there's a you talk about a wide wide range of things and i've never you know i think in the six seven months i've worked there now i think i probably only mentioned my own conditions like twice two three yeah. times like you know what i mean like it's I, I i don't personally try to um just because again i don't want to make it about me so yeah, yeah. i think that's that, that that's, a, that's a really good point actually it is it is so true and it's it's something that i really worry about you know on this podcast as well because it's it's you, you're very much aware of like, I really don't want to, you know, kind of hijack someone else's story and be like, oh, you know, I hated that at school where you're like, oh, you know, there's, there's a, there always used to be like a, I remember when I worked at hotels when I was younger, I was a waiter and stuff and people were like, oh, how long was your shift? And they're like, oh, I was, mine was eight. And they're like, oh, well, mine was nine hours. You know, it's no. a competition of who's having the worst time, if you know what I mean. Oh yeah, for sure. And this is part of, I guess it's a different conversation, but part of the problem I had initially and so now actually to be fair with my account that I run on Instagram I'm slowly trying to work into other ways of putting a message out there is because there is a sort of suffering Olympics in a sense yeah like that's a, good way it. That's a really yeah, good way to put it yeah I think I can't I can, yeah, was from, that was from a, a Matt Haig book he said something like suffering isn't an Olympic sport sort of thing like yeah people just keep going and keep going and like oh it really shit me here it really shit me there and I'm like I don't doubt it was but there's certain details people put in where I'm like, I know you didn't need to put in those details, but you, I think you've chose to in order to again push yeah. that idea you were suffering a lot sort of thing. But um, yeah, that's a whole different sort of conversation anyway. Uh, no, it's uh, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's something that's always it's something that's always really fucked me off. Of yeah, you oh well, you only you slept for five hours. Oh well, I only slept for four. You know, and it's it, know. it's really petty, and I I've never really understood what the person actually gains from it. Do they want? I've never understood, you know, the motivation. Do they want pity? Do they want yeah. attention? You know, it's it's really difficult. But 
Yeah, I guess it. I guess it stems back to, or not stems back, but it's a good segue anyway. So I'm going to do it. Um, it stems back to you know our, our initial. One of the initial things we were kind of talking about was you know when you when you were getting these comments um, mm. of people saying, "Oh, Connor, you look you look great," or you know you had a mul- you know when you were younger when you lost a little weight, and then when you were boxing again, and that 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 kind of only fuels a fire, doesn't it? And adds mm. adds that level of attention. And I sort of I think I said it before we hit record, but that you almost become like addicted to it. You you become like a literally like a drug addict. So that mm-hmm. that must mm-hmm. be, and it's difficult because the person saying that they don't realize that they're it's all it's almost bad in a weird way isn't it yeah yeah and like it's like you're saying like it, you become like a drug, drug addict but i guess in a sense like it is caught so a drug addict thing because i mean you are getting those sort of like dopamine hits from people yeah. you and you crave it over and over and over again and it's like again like it's saying like it's not and i think in the society now as well it's not a bad thing to start to say to someone they've lost weight because we have the sort of um a, we, we put the idea of thinness on a, a pedestal and if people are reaching towards that it's like oh you're doing well you're doing good sort of thing but it could be for a whole variety of reasons like mine was because i had an eating disorder but for other people it's they're just they're not eating properly or they're on some sort of medication for an illness and that's making them lose weight or they're not sleeping or i don't know like a bunch of different things yeah. which and we shouldn't be we shouldn't be trying to encourage and congratulate people on but instead trying to help them with instead and um yeah yeah but it's, diff- it's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, people like that, there are some people that are out there like literally doing it, you know, to try and get them, get themselves better. You know, there's the whole analogy of, you know, you, when you see a fat person running, you're always like, oh, good for them. Good for them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to demonize people for wanting to lose weight to, you know, quote unquote, improve themselves because I don't, well i mean i did it so i can't i can't really i can't really like comment on it that much but i think it's just you have to question like what the motivations are yeah and yeah what the motivations are because i think in the society we're automatically told that being fat is a bad thing outright sort of thing even if it has even there's no conversation on your health whatsoever because a lot of people like whenever i put a post about sort of um the idea of weight stigma, which is a huge, huge issue over here, particularly in the UK, but around the world, huge issue around weight stigma. Yeah. A lot of people are coming from my, on my posts and say, oh, so you just want like people who are obese to die straight away sort of thing. And I'm like, no, like, that's not a point I'm trying to say. Like, no, not at all. Like, and, you know, I did one on COVID and obesity because the government put out a, a policy paper saying like, you know, to try and combat obesity in this country because obesity is killing people no people who catch covid are also obese are more likely to die sort of thing and then they make that link that obesity is leading to poor health outcomes for these people and it's like okay like i get why then you're trying to say losing weight is a good thing but when you consider the fact that the way covid19 is affecting people across the different weight ranges and then you look at it across economic classes and social standards they're mirroring each other so the people who are more obese, more likely to be obese, are also the people who are more likely to be in a lower social standing. And yeah. people in a lower social standing are more likely to get COVID nineteen and die from it. And then also that means so obesity. It's like, yeah, yeah. So like the problem isn't weight so much; it's more the reasons why people are getting into a position where they're not quote unquote as healthy, which is independent of weight. And the whole idea of weight stigma is also a big issue because then it leads to higher cause mortality across the board 
disregarding BMI. So it's like, yeah. well, like, yeah, I get it. Like, fair enough. You want to lose weight to improve, you know, quote unquote, improve yourself, but just consider the different factors which are telling you why you think fitness is the way to improve yourself. You know what I mean? And not something. Hundred percent. Well, I think as much as as much as I believe there's there's a huge difference between health and body positivity. You know, yeah. I think as you know, along with saying that, and perhaps this is slightly controversial, I think it, it depends what you want. Like you're, if you want to genuinely be healthy, whether it's you're training for like you train, you know, training for a boxing or whether someone, you know, has decided they want to try and do a marathon or, a, you know, anything like that. I think that's brilliant. And, and pushing towards that, I've always kind of pushed for balance in life. You know, I think yeah. it, trying to trying to go all in on one thing or another is is never never a very good idea, because um, yeah. it's a very fine line between obsession and addiction. If you know what yeah. I mean, um, yeah. You know, but I I, I think there's a, there's a huge disparity between people that assume that they need to be thin to be healthy and people that mm. need to be thin to be accepted. Yes, yes, and yeah, I think that's a, it's a huge issue, and I think both sides of the coin like if you either too far underweight or too overweight, then it can lead to bad health consequences either way, but over and under is different for every person. And right now yeah. the system that we have to judge that is one arbitrary, two not based on actual, I guess the science of it, like the whole idea of BMI and how it's created. And then the effect that it has is awful. It's awful. Like I did a post on that as well about the sort of racist and also just very, just awful history of like how it doesn't even capture anything to do with health consequences whatsoever. Yeah. You know, you know, the rock, the rock is counted as obese. I don't think anyone is really going to tell the rock I need to be the healthiest. Yeah. He's like clinically obese, isn't he? Yeah. It's literally, it's it's stuff like that. It's crazy. But then, yeah, we still, we still use those arbitrary standards to dictate how people should live and how they should be. And also just decide what their value is, which I think is, yeah, horrible. I think as I think as long as people can kind of realize that and like people are it's very you know people are very much like oh I'm 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 me and I'm totally unique and all this but then they still yeah. get caught they still get caught up in going oh well well according to this like you know equation that someone came up with I'm a beast but this person here is absolutely fine even though even though I'm probably skinnier than them do you know what I mean yeah, yeah exactly exactly it's yeah madness well, this is why, like, I've, you know, I've, I've kind of really, really tried to sort of work on my fitness over the last year. Like while COVID's like, I got into running for, I did, I was moving for November in November and I started running for the first time in my life. Um, yeah. And I, I ran a hundred kilometers over the, over the month. Um, nice. and, and now I, now I do a 5k every day. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And it, it, I'm really pleased that I had that drive and it's now become a habit from it. Um, and it's good, but I I haven't weighed myself. I don't weigh myself. Don't have scales in the house because I know if I weigh myself and I can literally, I can see the changes in my body. I can feel myself getting like, I'm like, Oh, that bit's tighter than it used to be. Or like, Oh, my t-shirts are getting a bit big and you know, Mm. so, but I'm not going to weigh myself because I know I'll be expecting something. I'll be surprised if I've even lost like one or two kilos in my brain. It's, it's just redistributing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 yeah, For sure. And I just, yeah. The, the number of the scales is just a lot of the times completely, completely arbitrary. And it's just weighing your pulse to the earth. Like it's not, it's not measuring anything about what well, one, it doesn't like, I guess it, it kind of weighs your quote unquote weight, but then your weight fluctuates throughout the day anyway. So it's not measuring your actual true exactly. weight anyway. Yeah. Then people then conflate it with value and how well they're doing, how much progress they're making. It's just like, no, just yeah. get rid of it. Like, I've not got any either. Cause it's just, no, there's no need. Uh, well, they, they, yeah, that's what they always say. Don't they? They say, weigh yourself, 
as soon as you get up after you've been to the toilet and it's like, well, yeah. obviously I'm going to weigh less then than I will at nine o'clock at night. I was say, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's completely off, but, you know, I guess, yeah, I, I wouldn't use them. Get rid of them. Yeah, of them, pack them off. Yeah, yeah, like you said, that's, yeah, that's nice. Um, mm. Yeah, and I think I, I think that's probably quite a nice nice place to kind of wrap up. So if you're if you're still listening, don't yeah throw throw your fucking scales out. It's a waste. Of- <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I actually I actually smashed mine. It wasn't me. I did my flatmate. You accidentally smashed them. I was like, you know what? Yeah, leave them there. That's yeah. it. <laughs> We're <Good> done. <laughs> Yeah, yes. no, I mean, yeah, it, it ruins my day every, every, you know, the random chance I've been at my girlfriend's parents' house and they've got them in the bathroom and I'm like, oh, I'll just jump on. And then I'm like, basically leave the bathroom crying. Like, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no it's, it's horrible. It must be especially difficult for, um, for, for, you know, yourself or, you know, people that have struggled with, with, um, with eating disorders. Cause it, it's like, yeah, it's times 10, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, just there's just no chance for it anymore. Like, and I've flirted with the idea, like, oh, maybe I'll get in some calorie counting, maybe I'll get in some weigh-in. Like, no, it's not happening. Can't do it. It's, not, it's just not going on. Are you are you fairly, I mean, just before we finish, I said we were going to finish, but we're carrying on now. But would you um, would you say, are you are you kind of fairly, maybe this is a really insensitive question, so I apologise, yeah. but are you, are you fairly kind of balanced now with your, with your eating or do you still have kind of uh, episodes, for lack of a better term, or is it is it much better now? I think right now, yeah, right now I'm in a bit of a weird position where I felt like I was fully recovered for a while, but then there's a few things that are popped up where I'm like, I don't, I don't know if it's like still the signs of an eating disorder popping up. So for for instance, I, I'm also a vegan. Okay. Which I started around about the same time as when I started, when I started suffering from an eating disorder. So. Okay. With that, I knew at the time I was very much like it was a good way of finding an excuse for not eating certain things. Yeah, but I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. I was saying I'm a vegan, like whatever. I'll just eat less anyway because there's just less calories and stuff. And then you know, definitely started from a disordered place. But then eventually, there was like, um, I, like over time, I definitely like moved on from that, and I do it more of like ethical reasons, like I guess you could say uh, environmental reasons and. I don't know how this is defined in a sense, but spiritual reasons or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and just recently, and it's, it was a weird, it was a weird situation, but I was um, I was in a flat on my own over Christmas with my flatmate. And um the neighbors downstairs, they came and dropped something off for us. And um I think I think it was Hungarian. And she said, um, oh, it's this pastry made with like egg, cheese, and milk. So I hope none of you are allergic, sort of thing. And I was like, hmm. Like, so the size of it is like, it's not going to get eaten by just my flatmate on his own. So it's going to eventually be thrown away. And I've always said to myself, I will eat, I'll eat stuff that's not vegan if it's going to go to waste because I don't think, yeah, yeah, I, know I think, you. yeah, like being vegan over like wasting food is a bad thing that you shouldn't waste food, like all, you know, just at all. So even if it's not vegan, like it doesn't matter, sort of thing. I've never heard someone say that before. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I so I, it's a, I guess it's a completely other conversation, but I still think you can be vegan whilst eating animal products as long as you're not wasting food. I think wasting food is the worst thing you can do, sort of thing. Yeah. You eat animal products anyway, but if it's animal products, like, you shouldn't waste it. It's just, no, not at all. Yeah. Um, but I've never actually been caught in that situation where I had to eat anything from animal products then. So I just thought to myself, I was like, oh, yeah, I would do that. But then I had it here and there, and I'm like, God, I felt like a fear barrier of actually eating it. Yeah. And I was like, right. I was like, now I do need to eat it because 
now I know I'm actually fearing a food, which is part of eating disorder sort of thing. Yeah, so yeah. I need to eat this and, you know, feel, I guess, feel what I feel after it. I did feel fine. I felt good sort of thing. But there are also, so there's that for one, like having to challenge a relationship with food. But then there's also been times recently where I felt more tempted to either miss out on meals or eat less at meals, whatever. And I think that's a result of stress. Like I've just gone through a lot of, you know, shite in my life recently. Um, stress, my job, you know, I, I do love my job sort of thing. But obviously when you're talking to a lot of people. Oh yeah, myself, I bet. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, difficult. And yeah, like, so, and I've, I've, I've found myself at times like, accidentally skipping stuff or missing out on like not eating as much. And then I say it's an accident afterwards, but then I'm like, I do feel some sort of like a level of joy from doing it. So it's like, yeah, I, I would stay recovered, but then I just, I need to, I need to go back to the drawing board, I guess to say, to say that like, am I actually fully, fully recovered or am I saying I'm recovered in order to hide certain aspects of my personality and stuff I'm doing that are actually so damaging. So I think it's, yeah. I think it, you know, much, I mean, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I guess it's much like kind of anxiety and depression. Like I don't necessarily believe that you ever fully recover from these things. I think you just, you just have an acute awareness of like, yeah. Oh, this is, this is starting to happen again. I'm starting to do this. And then you just need to put those practices in place to kind of bring that level back down again, if you know what I mean. So is, is that, yeah. you think that's the kind of same sort of thing with, with an eating disorder? Yeah. I always, I always say to people like I'm fully recovered, but it's more like a scar that doesn't hurt so much, but it's still yeah. there sort of thing. Like it's, and it's sad and I wish I could sort of fully, fully get rid of it. But at the same time, I've gone through a lot which I'm now using in my life, which are really positive. Like either through my writing or just through other experiences. Yeah. I met a lot of people. So currently the flat I'm living with now, in a sense, I, I only, I met because of, you know, a bunch of different situations, but part of it was because I was living in a, I was in a situation which made my eating disorder, I guess one grow really, really badly. And I had to then try and find new mates to hang around with. Right. And these were like, those are the mates I found who I'm now living with and I couldn't be, you know, happy with it. Awesome. Um, yeah. So I guess there's a lot of positive experiences from it, but I, well, I say I'm, 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 I'm always cautious of saying I wouldn't change anything in the world because I mean, I would in a sense, like I would take the positive things that I've had from an eating disorder, but I just wouldn't put myself through an eating disorder. Yeah. Like, I don't, <laughs> yeah. don't romanticize it at all. Like it's just not good. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think, yeah, it's going to be one of those that are going to keep going back and forth, but it's definitely not what it was. So that's, yeah. that's good. No, that's yeah. good, mate. That's good. I think yeah, it, it, you know, and it may be like that for the next, you know, however, however many years, it's just one of those things that you, and I think as you, the longer you live and the more you, the more you kind of get used to it, I guess you'll be able to kind of notice those signs and, oh, I missed a meal today, but actually yeah. did I do it by accident or was my brain being like, go on, don't eat lunch. Don't eat lunch. Yeah, don't yeah, lunch. Exactly. exactly. But I think so. you'll, you'll be able to do that and then, you, you can kind of course course correct. And I think it's, that's another thing that a lot of people I think struggle with, with these kind of mental health. Like I said, people very much like it's either black or white, you know, there's, there's no flexibility with it. And I think as long as you can be flexible of, I'm a big believer of, I mean, this is not the case for an eating disorder at all, but for things like anxiety and things, sometimes I'm like, just steer into the skid. If you're having a shit day, just allow yourself to have a shit day. You know, yeah. we do, you're not, you're not going to have a good day every day of your life. Like no matter who you are, you know yeah um you know so trying to do that so i think allowing yourself to just 
take take the day and do whatever it is you want to do. I'm I just always go right. Okay, if I'm having a shit day, I'm gonna do whatever I can today to try and sort of fix it mm. a little bit. But I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna do things that I don't want to do basically. But I'm lucky. Yeah. I'm lucky enough. I, I work for myself. I work from home, so I've I've kind of got the freedom to do that. I'll be like, right, I'm not not doing anything today. They're like, you know, but I think you know as a I'm speaking from a, a, a privileged position, perhaps. But um, yeah, I guess that's very different with an eating disorder because you do have to kind of be, you're, you're kind of almost, you're driving along the edge of a cliff, aren't you, kind of all the time? Yes, essentially. But hopefully, I think I'm I'm on a good road right now. So 100%, mate, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, <laughs> and, as, you, as you said, if you're, if you're surround, surrounded with good people, that's one of the most important things, I think, with anything like this. Um, and that's that's such a such a crucial thing to do because if you're not in the right circle, um, you know, negativity breeds negativity. Massively, massively. Yeah, you need to be around the right people, right support, and yeah, it's something that you need to do on your own. But at the same time, like you need the people around you to support you in doing that journey on your own, sort of thing. So yeah, 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 definitely, exactly. Cool. So. Uh, Obviously, we've just come back. There's been an internet issue, but um, we're we're back on. But um, just to kind of wrap up, then uh, I've always got a few sort of quick fire questions. Only sort of three or four. Um, so the first one: uh, where where is your your happy place? Uh, so if you click your fingers right now, where where are you? Oh God, um, I love. Oh, I really want to go back to Sri Lanka. That's my. My main place. I went. I went back in 2018 again, and it was unbelievable. It's oh, like cool. one of the first places I'm going to get back. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've never been to. I've never been to Sri Lanka. Some of my mates went end of 2019. They went for a month to go surfing, and they said it was epic. Class. Yeah, it's so class. Yeah, it's like a. They said it was like Bali, but half as busy and cheaper. Which sounds sounds. Yes. Yeah, I've not been to Bali either, so I don't know, but it, it looks like a similar vibe. But yeah, no, I really want to go to Sri Lanka. It looks, it looks epic. My girlfriend's a teacher, and she's hopefully going to take a sabbatical after the shit show of for the last couple of years. So we're going to try and try and get to Sri Lanka if we can. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, fan of of movies, TV. You know, like St- Star Wars is my happy place. I'm a closet nerd. Um, but what what have you mm-hmm. been? Obviously, we spent a lot of time inside, um, and you may you may have some actual you know good things, to, educational things like the Freddie Flintoff documentary. But what have you been? Um, what have you been watching? What have you been uh, or, or reading? If you're a, a reading man, but what have you been? Yeah, what what have you been consuming? What have you been? Yeah, what have you been checking out? Um, so at first, I played a lot of Call of Duty with my mates because I've not played that for years, and it was class. It was yeah. really really class. Yeah. And in terms of TV, in terms of TV, um, I love Peep Show. Peep Show. Oh man, I love. Yeah. yeah, Peep Show is so good, isn't it? Class. I've rewatched it so many times, but I'm still going. Um, and books. My God, books. Um, there's a book. There's, a, there's two books I really like. There's one called This Book Could Change Your Mind on Mental Health, which is great. It's all about the idea of like stigma and labels and diagnoses within mental health and why it can be quite damaging. Yeah, I recommend that one. And then there's one called the process psychosis, which again, it's a very, very interesting one about the idea about how schizophrenia was sort of weaponized against the sort of black community in America during the civil rights movement. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, really, really, I mean, heavy sort of deep book, but very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. 
what's yeah. your well i mean i never usually ask this question but i'm going to ask you because it's probably going to be quite funny what's your what's your favorite favorite peep show moment oh god um <laughs> i think oh i'm gone let's try and think I love it when Mark gets his BlackBerry stolen and he has to go to the... <laughs> he has to go to that please. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. It's like, oh, brilliant. Uh, well, uh, when, oh, when he's, when he's up, in the, um, up in the rafters in the church... Oh, he like, pisses himself. ...waiting to marry Sophie. And he leans, yeah, he pisses himself and then he leans over the balcony and he's like, I got you all. What a brilliant joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just the worst moment. It's great. My favorite, I think my favorite bit is where uh, Jeremy eats the eats the dog, eats mummy the dog. Oh, <laughs> that is brilliant, that one. It's so I li- you literally can't watch it, can you? You're like, oh, it's so bad. Just tragic. Yeah, there's oh, some epic. Think. Uh I love like there's loads of videos on YouTube of like the top 10, top 10 peep show lists, like top 10 moments. Me and my mate the yeah, other yeah. day just like watched like four videos of that. It's so funny to watch watch them back. <laughs> yeah, cool. yeah, they are. Um, cool. And then uh finally, this is a new a new section for uh for for 20, 2021 that I've brought in. Um and I'm just gonna kind of ask people because it, it kind of helps me out as well. Who who would you like to hear on the podcast? Hit me with a, a couple of people. Who should I who should I be DMing to try and get on the podcast? I hope I'm basically around trying to get rid of particularly new game of it is they advise against it but it still does happen and people object to treatment because of it um she's a great activist campaigner and um yeah doing well the campaign so definitely I'd recommend her um sorry I looked at my camera and I realized how dark it is my god um a little girl yeah, yeah. Um, ben West, he's quite oh. cool. He's um, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, who ben- he's quite, yeah, yeah, getting quite popular. Um, round like it's all students and mental health in particular, so that's really good. Um, trying to go third one for three magic number. Um, what about in boxing? Anyone, anyone in boxing that I should be should should chat to? Anyone, anyone in that sort of that sort of scene? I mean, like Tyson Fury is also is fantastic. So oh man, yeah, he's, he's he's like top top five top five guest, like top five all time guest. That I'd love to get on. You know, he's. I was say, yeah, Tyson Fury would be amazing, especially around his mental health stuff as well. It'd be amazing. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. I, I I don't know of any other sort of, of sort of like I guess people who would be a lot more um, easy to get a hold of um, who talk about mental health stuff. Um, I really like actually Connor Ben's son, um, who's also called Connor Ben. Oh no, sorry, not Connor Ben's son. Nigel Ben's son, who's called Connor Ben, because um, he he talks quite a lot about like being ambitious and following your dreams and everything. I remember I saw an interview with him where he started like crying on the interview, and yeah. I was like, God, that's that's a cool guy. Like he's like this really hard hard guy, and his dad is like one of the most sort of feared men ever from British boxing, and. Yeah. Like he's like crying on TV, and I'm like, that's great. Like you should be able to do that. It's a great role model. For that. So yeah, yeah, like him. Yeah, Connor Ben. There we go, Connor Ben. Nice. Well, Connor Spratt, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Like this has been easily one of like the most uh, educational ones for me. Um, yeah, it's been, been a, an, an absolute pleasure. And um, 
yeah, thank you for coming on, and I hope hope you guys have enjoyed listening. Um, Connor, where can we where can we find you on uh, on social media? Um, so right now, I've only got an Instagram account, so yeah. Recovery Connor on Instagram. Um, if anybody wants to email me for any sort of, I don't know, I'm trying to do a lot of writing work. So if anybody wants any sort of writing work done, it's Spratt Connor at gmail.com, S-P-R-A-T-T-C-O-N-N-O-R at gmail.com. Not E-R, because everyone keeps telling my name as E-R, and that's not it. Yeah, that's about it right now. Um, yeah, I'm going to get on Twitter soon enough, but not just yet. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Nice, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, yeah. If you are enjoying the podcast, please like, share, subscribe. Uh, you can find it, yeah, on Spotify or Apple. Please follow me. You can leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, and you can uh, donate to the podcast via the link in my bio as well. Um, Yeah, guys, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we will see you for the next one. Cheers, Connor.